I see on Instagram or Twitter a lot lately is people will take pictures of their coffee or of their food, and a lot of people laugh at it or say it's cliche, but there's actually something really interesting going on there. I think even though we live in a fast food, westernized American country where it's all about give me the fuel, make it fast, I don't want relationship, I don't want the table, I still think we can't get away from the fact that ingrained in us from the beginning of time, from the garden, is kind of the restoration or the importance of the table. We can't help but want to share it with others, share our stories, share our meals, share our lives, because that at the table is where that all happens. We share and we become who we are, usually in those table moments. All of us have to eat, all of us have to sit at the table, and that's usually where a lot of relationship happens. I mean, I think of first dates, they always, almost always involve a meal. If you think of a business deal, you usually celebrate with some type of dessert or something of that nature. Life happens at the table. And in the Western church, I think the reason why that is, is because a lot of us take relationship or we take intimacy kind of off the table. We, we say, just give me the truth. Just give me the facts. I just want all the right answers, but I don't want a relationship. I don't want intimacy. I don't want the table. And we do that in the American church or in the Western church. When I think in the scripture, Jesus was the opposite. Jesus made a huge point about taking truth taking big ideas, taking facts, taking stories or parables or points and putting them on the table per se, meaning putting flesh on these things, making them real life, making them things that actually are stuff we dealt with. I think of uh, the story of the road to Emmaus as a huge example of this. It's actually, I think, one of the most underrated stories in all of scripture, because it really is kind of weird when you look at actually what happens. Take the story of the road to Emmaus at the end of Luke. So Jesus resurrects. He had gone, he's gone through the cross. He's come through the resurrection. He's in his resurrected body. I don't know if it's because they couldn't recognize him or what, but it says he comes to two disciples. Now those two disciples don't recognize him as Jesus of Nazareth, as the person who just died on the cross. And so the, Jesus goes to them and says, hey guys, why are you bummed out? What's wrong? And they kind of turn to him and they rebuke him to some degree. They say, are you serious? Have you not heard what just happened? Because it was a public spectacle. Rome wanted to make a public ordeal out of this is what happens when you say stuff like this or follow a leader like this. And so they say, did, did you not hear that Jesus died? Did you not hear that all our hopes were dashed? We followed this guy for three years and it was a waste. It was a failure. So they kind of rebuke Jesus and then he in return kind of rebukes them and he actually says, oh foolish ones. And then it says, he begins from the law to the prophets. It says, describing what must be true of the Christ. Meaning Jesus takes the Bible, or because that's all they have. They didn't have the New Testament. He goes from page one to the last page and says, it was supposed to happen the whole time. If you were reading it the right way, if you were looking for the right things, you would have known that the Christ, the Messiah was actually supposed to die on the cross and resurrect. It was supposed to happen the whole time. I don't think we let what just happened sink in enough. Think about what just happened in that story. Jesus himself, the word incarnate, God himself, basically goes through a Bible study in person with these two disciples. He goes from the first page of the Bible to the last page of the Bible, and he goes page by page saying, this must have happened. Now, 
I don't know about you, but if that was me, my brain probably would have fell out. I would have expected the angels to come out and ah, and everything to just be crazy because God himself is literally explaining the scripture. Uppercase word is explaining the lowercase word in person. You think they would have had the craziest epiphany. You think their lives would have totally changed and they would have practically fainted because of the revelation that would have happened in that moment. But what's crazy about the story is nothing happens. The next verse is literally like five hours later in the story and nothing happens. There's no revelation, there's no epiphany. And a couple hours later, the story continues with them walking and getting nighttime. Jesus is still with them. And then it actually says, they say, hey Jesus, do you wanna stay for a meal? He stays, he goes inside. And then the story gets really weird. It says they sit down at the table, Jesus breaks bread, gives thanks. And then it says in an instant, their eyes were opened. It says when he breaks the bread and gives thanks, their eyes were opened. Now, the reason that story's crazy is, think about in the American church, how we would actually guess that their eyes would be opened in the beginning. We guess that the eyes would be opened when Jesus himself is in the room, resurrection has happened, resurrected body, and he's explaining the scriptures, but no, it doesn't happen there. The revelation happens when he sits down and he eats with them. You have to let that sink in. question I want to ask you guys too, especially with that story is, what's your dream scenario? See, a lot of us, we wish Jesus could just show up in the room to us, give us all the answers, give us all the facts, then we can live a better Christian life. But that's not how Jesus wants to do it. Jesus doesn't want to just give us all the answers. He wants to sit at the table with us. He wants to be on the same level playing field as us. He wants to look us eye to eye. He wants to have that intimacy and that relationship. And you can only have that at the table. I think about um, a, a trip I took a couple years ago with a mentor of mine. He lives in Jerusalem. He has five kids, a really beautiful marriage that me and Alyssa, my wife, that we look up to. And I remember before we went there, how I probably had a couple years of mentors where I'd meet at Starbucks with them and we'd go through curriculum or go through a, a Bible study, which is great. And that would be really helpful to me. But what I realized is it took a long time for me to really absorb a lot of that if it was not in real life. Meaning if I wasn't living with this guy, if I wasn't living with this people, it was really hard for it to sink in. But then you fast forward to this trip in Jerusalem and I remember just being at their table for two weeks and during dinner, seeing how he talks to his kids, seeing how he loves his wife, seeing how he disciplines his children, seeing how he does his job, just being in his life for two weeks was more impactful than any one hour at Starbucks could be because I think we are designed by nature to learn at the table, to learn in real life, to learn in community. And I think God blocks revelation, just like he did in the story of the road to Emmaus, until there's relational intimacy involved. And so we have to wrestle with that. Are we people who are sitting at the table with Jesus? Is that how we see our walk with Jesus? And think about how Jesus was almost obsessed with trying to do this. He was trying to obsess with putting real life on to facts. Supper, right? So the biggest event in human history is easily the cross. Even if you're a non-Christian, you have to admit it shaped history more than anything ever has. And so Jesus has 24 hours left with these guys before he goes to the biggest event in human history. He's been walking with them for three years. So you think on the last 24 hours, he'd basically have one huge cram session, if you ever remember finals in college, where he's giving them all the facts 
and saying, hey, make sure you remember this. Make sure you remember this. You guys are going to be my ambassadors. You're going to turn the world upside down. So I have 24 hours left to give you all I have. You would think that's what he would do. But on the last day before he died, to make sure they really got it, Jesus did not give them a bunch of facts. He gave them a meal. Another way I've heard it said is Jesus didn't give them a theory to explain the biggest event in human history. He gave them a meal. He tied his death and resurrection to the most basic thing we have to do every day, and that is eat. He didn't get out the whiteboard and say, this is how it works. He said, this is how it works. And he set down bread and he set down wine. That is what the Last Supper's about. And so I think too many times in the American church, we've missed the table. We've missed the art of the table and the sacredness of what's going on at the table, that God wants to bring his truth. He wants to bring the beauty of the scriptures and he wants to bring his kingdom as it is in heaven, like we saw in the session previously. And he wants to bring it down here on earth. I think of tables too, as a time where I know I've been shaped the most. I know meals where we've had hard theological discussions, or I've been really encouraged by what someone said, or I've heard a story that got me to learn more about a friend of mine. The table is where life happens, and God calls us to that place. And so as we end and look back on all the sessions, realize that the table or the symbol of the table is actually the thing that kind of encapsulates and wraps all these previous sessions together. The table is where you tell your story like we heard in the first session. Or about the kingdom, if you look at the life of Jesus, the, the kingdom, if Jesus was a model of what the kingdom looked like, he sure ate with a lot of people and he also sure ate with a lot of people that he was trying to love and serve. So we need to take note of that. It's a place where we rest, where we have communion. It's that temple, that place of heaven and earth colliding at the table when we eat. It is a little signpost of the future of the new heavens and the new earth because that's what it's going to be, a great banquet, a great feast where we're eating and dining with our king forever.